Stay tuned after the feature for more great previews. And now, our feature presentation. Previously on Big Brother. With only the showmance and Nicole left in the game, the stage was set for the final three-part Head of Household competition. And Mickey conquered part one. I will not let myself celebrate. It's a little premature, and I have another job to do. Now, after a summer of epic competitions... Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on! Oh, man, I hate this already. Yes! He's gonna kill me right here. Oh, my God. Intense emotions... All the kids, like... Boy, for being special. I'm not. You won't go. You won't go. Where's Mount Wanadir? And crazy confrontations. Don't bring her into this. I didn't say any of that. I didn't she say any of that. What is happening? You. Oh, what's happening? Nick, that's a lie. Oh my God! No, it's not, bro. I would have been a one for you. It's all good. It all comes down to this. Who will become the final head of household? And who will ultimately be crowned the winner of BB21 and walk away with the half million dollar prize? Find out tonight, live on the 90 minute season finale of Big Brother. It smells like vegetable bouillon. Welcome back to Mike Cyber Radio. I am your host, and it is International Podcast Day, coincidentally. And uh, for this special bonus episode, we're talking Big Brother and that explosive season 21 finale. Joining me on this adventure, my guest is Anthony Bercali, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info, the website, the toy archive, and the host of Transformers University. And he's uh, just coming off of a cold just a little bit it just in time for new york comic-con uh but thank you so much for joining me uh thank you for having me it's it's fun to be on my uh favorite uh transformers adjacent podcast uh you know and thank you so much for that by the way between <laughs> between you and the autopod decepticast guys i've uh um i don't know if anybody's noticed but i've kind of retweaked some of my uh phrasing in some of my show intros and on my twitter bio and yeah i i've um uh, yeah, I, I've definitely kind of re-co-opted that. It's now it's your favorite <laughs> Transformers adjacent <laughs> pop culture co- podcast because uh, uh, apparently enough of you like it. So, <laughs> well, I feel so, like you're speaking directly to me when you say that now. Yeah, it's the power of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good. Oh, man. So, yeah, it was um, one of the things that came to light within, oh, I don't know, the last couple months because I don't think it was immediate when this new season of big brother started um in fact probably it wasn't even until maybe i don't know taco tuesday or so one of the other more explosive episodes but it turns out another thing that uh that we uh you and i anthony Bercali, we have in common in addition to our transformers fandom we're both fans of the big brother <laughs> and uh and it's it's kind of interesting um I don't know. I've uh I I'm not what I would consider to be a super fan because I think 
quote-unquote superfan or self-defined to me says a lot about investment in the show and the amount of content that one consumes. Um, I, I guess I would call myself a fan lowercase f uh, because basically we watch the show. We uh, we don't do the live feeds, we don't do Big Brother After Dark, and we don't do any of the uh, web stuff. Basically, what CBS gives, gives us is what my wife and I consume, but we uh, um, we weren't always fans. We uh, uh, we were turned on to it uh, several years ago. I've forgotten how long it's been uh, from friends of ours. Um, they uh, they hard sold us on it because like we uh, we're also fans of Survivor and The Amazing Race. And they're like, well, you watching Big Brother? Oh, no. Uh, uh, vacuous white people uh, hanging around with each other and not really doing a whole lot? No, thanks. No, thanks. And they're like, you got to give it a shot. And, and um, yeah, I, I forget which season we uh, we jumped in on, but it was it was a pretty remarkable one, one where it's like, oh, this is this is really something we've been hooked in fans um, ever since. So I so I guess before we kind of get into the uh, um, uh, the season that was and maybe looking ahead, uh, maybe talk about your Big Brother fandom a little bit and uh, and kind of uh, uh, what's your take on all this? Um, so it, it's very it's very similar uh, to yours. So, yeah, I, I don't do live feeds. I don't do after dark. Um, my wife got me into the show when we were dating. Uh, so she was into the show, um, on her own. She likes reality competition shows. So big brother, amazing race survivor. Those are all her kind of shows. And I always looked at big brother as, isn't it just uh, survivor meets the real world? And, yes, um, right? and, and she's like, no, it's, it's a little bit different than that. And then, so, you know, when we were dating, we, we, we started watching it and, uh, I started with, uh, I think it's season 13. It was the first one with Brendan and Rachel. Oh man. Uh, so that's where where I jumped that's where I jumped on mm-hmm. and 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 since it's, it became kind of a ritual between my then girlfriend and and then fiance and then wife. So um I have kind of a love-hate relationship with the show. By mm-hmm. the end of the season I'm always really into it. But like bef- when the season starts, especially if there was a bad season the season before, um, or just a lackluster season, the yeah. season before. I'm always turning my wife going, you sure you, sure you want to do this? So it's like three hours a week. We could totally be watching Netflix or Hulu or something else. Um, you know, that, that's always my, my, my pitch at the beginning of the summer. They're like, oh, let's just give it a try. And we're almost always, you know, roped in. The only time we ever punched out was the last um, Celebrity Big Brother. I think the one with, um, oh. Um, the Mooch. No, was it the one with the mooch? It might have been, or the one. It was the one. No, no, it's the one with the uh, uh, the one that was on The Apprentice. Um, oh, oh god, oh, uh, oh man! And I have yeah. all the wikis in front of me too, and I can't find it quick enough. Um, you know, long story short, we 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 went one episode, and we're like, you know what, we we don't want to do this, <laughs> and so we 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 just decided not to. The one with. Uh, uh, it's the one, uh, let's see, season one, uh, Marissa, somebody won. Yeah. We were totally not into that season. So we, uh, we have never, yeah. uh, kind of done the celebrity thing, but we will, we'll do regular season big brother, uh, pretty much every year. I don't think we, we've never missed a year since, gotcha. uh, 
season 13. Well, and and uh, to tangent just a quick sec, uh, you know, uh, count yourself fortunate that you miss out on the celebrity seasons because we watched both of them. Uh, you know, uh, last year, the one that you referred to with uh, Ross Matthews and uh, and the other guy whose name neither of us can remember. Uh, um, anyway, um it, for for me, the reason why Celebrity Big Brother doesn't work is because basically it's exhibition play. You know, it, it's it's two hand touch. Um, it, it never really feels like anybody's actually playing the game. Like you know, it's it's a shortened season. The challenges aren't as hard. And really what it's meant to be is just kind of like a, an exhibition for these, uh, you know, B, C, D, and E list, uh, quote unquote, celebrities. Um, so, yeah, it's just um, I, I wonder if it's just a thing to put extra programming on in the uh, um, in the in the winter. But I don't know. I kind of I kind of hope they don't do it because I th- I, I mean, I mean. I hope they don't do it in the future um, because I think it really does kind of diminish the uh, the primary flagship show um, kind of like uh, not too dissimilar about how um, I kind of burnt out on uh, singing competitions. Like, you know, the thing that really burnt me out on, like, say, The Voice back in the day was when, you know, it would like one season would end and then the next season would almost immediately begin. So it was just it it was a kind of like a never ending cycle that um, and something like this, like Big Brother, it it's an investment. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was really kind of reluctant at first. You know, I was I was kind of raised on Survivor and Amazing Race, you know, those kind of like, you know, tightly edited, self-contained type of things. Now I get to Big Brother and there's like challenges that don't end. And I'm just I, I remember like the first time I saw an endurance comp, it's like I I I almost walked at that point. I don't know what this is, but I don't want it. I mean, who who's going to win? You know, that that kind of thing. And but once you get used to the rhythm of the show, you know, you kind of um, from like a um, editing perspective, a television per, uh, production uh, standpoint, it's it's really a finely crafted show in terms of like, you know, how the uh, producers and story editors can just, you know, craft storylines just out of all this uh, hours and hours and hours of raw footage. It, it really is. It really is something. Yeah, it is. And, you know, one of the things that always gets me on the show as someone who who is a video editor, mm-hmm. the thing that the neat little touch for me um, in this show is the sound effects and the music stings. <laughs> yes. Um, they, they use them to great effect mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of sound effects in this show. You're like, you know, if you think about it, that sound's not really there. There's no microphone. There's no way they could do that. And um, they, they really work those to comedic purposes that, mm-hmm. that are, are really well done. Uh, when Speaking of the producers of the show, there's one thing as, as someone who watches the show, there are a lot of times because it's reality competition and I don't know what um, the rules are legally around a show like this. Um, there are times I really feel like there are competitions that are staged and that are fixed. Um, and, and I, and I, for story purposes yeah. to, to further the story. And in particular, it's the ones that are timed um, 
because you never see you don't get to see the time when the person ends and mm-hmm. they don't happen on the live feeds they don't happen um in in any way where someone can actually sit there and time it uh independently of the show uh so those are the ones that always kind of get me it's also the uh the one comp where uh they hide something in the house and they get to blow up basically the oh, whole yeah. house yeah they never show the person getting the last um the last one mm-hmm. they just show them coming out with it they never show them finding it right that one always bothers me too because there's nothing to say that there isn't someone just telling them where it is or just handing it to them uh yeah see that's so those interesting too because yeah i i as we talked about at the top um you know i i don't really know much about the live feeds other than a lot of stuff happens that's you know um so so i did i didn't realize that there were certain competitions that that are dark and that you can't see it on on live feeds because yeah i i i've wondered about that but i i've always figured because like when it's when it's within the season cuz like for example i know cinema blend and a few other websites have like ongoing uh big brother coverage where you know it's like i think they've got somebody on Big Brother Beat where they're just they're just churning through live feeds and they're just, you know, cranking out that hot goss as uh, as quick as possible. Um, kind of similar to that that one poor bastard that works for comicbook.com that does nothing but listen to Kevin Smith's podcasts and talks about any time, oh, this will make a billion dollars. Oh, what a scoop. <laughs> I just anyway, um, but yeah, no, it's it, it's I I do wonder about how contrived uh things can be at times um i don't know it's 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 really interesting yeah and like um and and the thing is i mean i don't know i could be totally just Mm. you know pulling this out of my ass like it's just to me like there are some times where it's just really convenient who wins the veto um or it's really convenient you know who wins the hoh and you're like that um, you know, in particular, like this season, and and this is probably one of the big points we'll talk later. Yeah. Um, is the time uh, uh, when Nicole won BB Comics. Um, the best possible storyline was for Nicole to win BB Comics, mm-hmm. and because uh, that put her in a position to uh, turn on Holly and Mickey, and I, it was a timed comp. So, like, you don't see. Them. But on the other hand, in the finale, in finale night, you know. Uh, uh, the the second half of that HOH, like uh, Nicole and Holly played in a time comp, and you know if I'm producing that, if I'm producing that for story, then I'm rigging the time so Nicole wins. So and Holly won that one. So right. I, I I I you know that one kind of that one comp the other the on the finale episode um, kind of turned me on. Well, maybe they don't rig all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they just kind of nudge. Or maybe, yep. and and see now we're getting way deep into tinfoil hat territory. But maybe there's like there's a certain point where the uh, producers realize they can't nudge anymore. Yeah, it's just like oh well, this 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 breaks. You know, th- this breaks the entire universe if we push this any harder. More or less, what it, what I mean is like uh, kind of similar to when uh, during that last endurance comp, when uh, Holly was going to throw it, and it's just like uh, you better throw it before Nicole drops. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. It's like you know you could accidentally. Uh, you know, uh, win the competition just by not throwing it soon enough. Meaning, it's like much 
in in that example where it's like you know the 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 all-seeing hand of big brother can only push things so hard i mean the competitor still has to kind of do their part but all right, so let's. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I know we kind of got a, a little deep in the weeds uh, early yep. on. Let's. Uh, so let's wind the clocks back and maybe kind of like set the stage a little bit for why this season in particular uh, we're talking about. Because I've, I, to the best of my knowledge, aside from uh, a couple references when I interviewed. Uh, Jason Marshall, the host of the We Don't Have Cookies podcast, who's who's a big a Big Brother super fan in the true sense of the word. He he consumes all of it. He's had former house guests on his show um, a number of times, and you know, so it's like you know, I've talked about in very shallow strokes that I'm into Big Brother, but I don't think I've ever really unpacked or talked about anything on. Um, on uh, Mike Seibert Radio before, so if uh, if you're not into uh, Big Brother and you've kind of figured out where the episode is going at this point, uh, uh, maybe this is where we part ways this week. Uh, jump all the way to the end of the episode to to learn some of the cool stuff I've got coming up in the next few weeks, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> but uh, uh, but no, um, this uh, this particular season was um, interesting in that. For me, at least, it started off quite unremarkable and then got really interesting and then dipped again and became kind of lackluster. And then towards like I'd say like maybe the last third got really, really exciting. Um, and that kind of uh, uh, drama and momentum kind of carried all the way through uh, to finale night. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's as good of a um, uh, jumping off point as any. Uh, what what was your kind of impression of uh, season 21 going in? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I would say that that's that's pretty accurate. Like, so when I start a season of Big Brother, I try to um, I try to find people to root for off the top. So um, I, I I thought Nicole seemed compelling. So I I, I was like, she she seemed compelling in her story, and uh, she's from Long Island, which is where I live. So uh, it was you know I felt like okay, let's 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 root for her, and then. Uh, uh, Tommy seemed interesting and 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 fun, and um, so I was rooting for him off the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you know, you kind of play the local angle to some extent. You know, yeah. you're for people that are from about where you are or that are similar uh, in ways uh, to what you are. I was actually rooting for Jack early on, at least from the first episode, like because he seemed um, interesting and 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 fun, and he seemed like he had the right a- attitude for it. And I was rooting for David uh, as uh, he's a photographer, which is, you know, which is kind of close to what I do in, in terms of, you know, video and working with cameras. So, um, yeah, those are the folks I was probably rooting for, you know, from the first episode. I try to find someone to root for mm. um, the first, uh, you know, the first banishment thing they did where they, they kind of uh, forced four people to compete against each other. Um, yeah, that was OK. And yeah. And so, yeah, it started out fairly unremarkable. Um there were certain people, you know, I felt like, you know, there's also the people you find, you're like, I don't like that person. I want them out early. Yeah. Uh, you find the people to root against. And then I'll tell you what happened with me. Mm. Um, we got about a week and a half, two weeks into the season. And um, 
DirecTV and CBS had a falling out. So, oh. Yeah, so um, we didn't have CBS for a good three, three and a half weeks. Um, so the, the whole, um, it was a, it was almost at Camp Comeback, I think, or it was just about, no, it was right after the Camp Comeback thing. So we saw about four weeks of the show, mm-hmm. and um, and then we uh, lost the show. <laughs> and oh my so gosh. Uh, we waited for it to come back. And we just we just avoided all spoilers, all news, and then we binged the hell out of the show, which uh, made it more enjoyable overall to watch. Um, it makes it easier not to forget some of the people that that leave earlier on. Yeah, and um, and yeah, and then I think it did. It took a little bit of a dip um, until they could break up. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, undeniable, grateful, six shooters, whatever yeah. you want to call that group. Mm-hmm. Um, I found myself the minute I saw the the episode where uh, um, they kind of ganged up on Nicole, who I was rooting for off the top. Um, that really kind of stirred me into like I it made me aggravated and it made me partially like I'm done with this season. These people are terrible and I can't wait for the next one. Yeah. And it seems like there's always that kind of thing where we see terrible people clustering together and being terrible and you know not not jumping too far ahead i think that's kind of a systematic of uh, symptomatic of some of the kind of systemic issues with big brother in general like in terms of like casting and and the way things uh, uh go uh, a lot of which we saw spill out on finale night and really kind of changed the tone of the entire episode. But we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll touch on that more, uh, in due course. But yeah, I, I, I think it really kind of, uh, took, um, a massive turn once that large group basically imploded. I I'd say that's, that was the time where I was like, I mean, cause I'm with you, you know, I, I hate these folks, but it was from like a trashy reality show, uh, guilty pleasure perspective. You know, it's, it's, it's fun to, to watch these people eat each other. Basically it was, uh, I mean, that, that was a great episode and that, um, and it turns out that wouldn't be the end of it. You know, it's like that we'd have reverberations through that whole last chunk of the season, including, you know, the infamous uh, Taco Tuesday uh, (laughs) uh, house meeting blow up. That's, uh, you know, anytime and and these knuckleheads living in the house should know this. As soon as somebody says house meeting, it's just like nothing good will ever come of it. I don't think anything ever good has come out of a house meeting. No, no, uh, not in my time watching the show. I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think there's been one positive house meeting. No. Um, now, see, one of the things that you mentioned earlier is, you know, kind of your, your viewing habits and like, you know, how you try to pick somebody to to root for. I have kind of like a a, a weird opposite to that. It's like I, um, when, when we watched the first, oh, I don't know, I'd probably say several weeks of the show, um, we're just kind of letting it wash over us. And I kind of like even um, like you mentioned with the uh, the binging that you guys did, kind of going back and seeing everything in a very short span and kind of reacquainting with a lot of those early folks that leave. Um, it takes us, I would say, probably till about like the halfway point before we could even say, hey, that's my guy 
or like, oh, I like them or um, it's easier to find out folks we don't like as opposed to the folks that we kind of do because alliances shift and and, you know, there, there's intrigue and all kinds of things to where where folks can um, become favorites that weren't early. So so we we, we don't necessarily pick early favorites but um so for me like yeah going in i i didn't i i knew that i didn't like uh jackson at first um and yeah i i just i had a really hard time latching on to anybody i think i even tried latching on to sam for a hot minute because he was you know he was a big fan but then he started speaking and and that that voice was just too much. I'm like uh, that that's not my guy. Sorry. So so yeah. So like it, like I said, it, it takes me a while, and I don't remember when exactly it was, but at a certain point, I realized that Cliff was still around, and I'm like, you know what? This dude's playing a decent game. So for for up until spoilers, up until like the very end, Cliff was my guy. Um, so I was like, you know, I, I like this. I like that he's kind of finding ways to continue to hang on and, and, um, you know, ingratiate himself to other new groups and adapt to different situations. Um, but yeah, and then, but then the way that the last act, uh, played out, it's just like, I just, (laughs) I don't, I don't even know what to, uh, what to think, but, um, so, you mentioned a couple of the the folks uh, earlier, you know, like uh, uh, David and Tommy, um, and and a couple others that uh, that you latched onto. Um, did you? Uh, at what point did you have somebody that you picked to win, and who uh, who was that? Uh, oh, like I. I, you know, picking to win is is tricky. Like yeah. you pick your people to root for, and 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 as you said, like people people shift over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're you're feeling like uh, Jack. I, I I liked off the top, and then then about you know two and a half three weeks in, you know, actually by, by the time that that blow up happened in um in you know uh with the uh, I guess that was week four when Nicole and Cliff were up, um. That's when, you know, when I I'm trying to remember how that unfolded, it was like Isabella made up something about Nicole and it kind of like, like blew up her game and it, it wasn't true. And then they wouldn't let her defend herself. Yeah. And like, I, I remember watching that going, this is just wrong. Like, it's not even like playing, uh, you know, I feel like there's, there's two ways to play uh, the deceit card in Big Brother. Mm-hmm. One is to make stuff up, which is kind of, you know, kind of what you would call a dirty play and, and dirty gameplay. And the other is to just, you know, is to lie by omission or lie by ignorance, like pretending like you don't know something when you do or not telling someone the whole story. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I think that's a cleaner way to play the game. And that's a, a, you know, a a more respectable way to play the game most. Um, You know, I I had a few people early on who who felt like they could win it. And I think, you know, Mickey was one for sure cuz he kept kept winning comps. Sure. Um and he, and he was kind of running that alliance. Uh Cliff was someone when he battled his way back in uh from uh the camp comeback uh uh I don't know what you call it, camp comeback uh, wrinkle in the game. Yeah, um, yeah, kind of like a side quest or something like that. Yeah. You know, it, so he, so he became a, Yeah. 
<laughs> Go ahead. He became a. Fr- I'm sorry. He became a. He became a front runner for me yeah. in in the in that he was banished on day one and 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 found his way back in, and then was evicted and battled his way back in. Um, that made him uh, a big time player because that meant he was already thrown out twice mm-hmm. and found ways to win. Um, and then, you know, it was those two. And then I felt like Christie was uh, by mid season. Christie was one who was, you know, she was like unkillable. Like every time she was, she was on the block, what five times in a row. Yeah. And, and she found her way off and, you know, and, and she initiated that taco Tuesday thing, <laughs> which we could probably get into Yeah, that, that saved her in the game and proved that she had like a social game, uh, you know, and a, a like a, a social manipulation game that was far better than anyone else in that house. Yeah, and and you need somebody that is an emotional wreck and is a complete wild card, and she fit that role quite effectively. Yes, yes, her and Cat to to oh Kat to a lesser extent. They were both that they were both picked for that. And even then, you know, Isabella to some extent too, like, yeah, didn't she blow up her own Alliance? Like they had a four girl Alliance early on that she blew up in like 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the black widows <laughs> that they, yes, yeah. it's like, okay, black widows. And anytime you see a hashtag on a screen, you know, your Alliance is doomed. Um, but yeah, like immediately she's like, Oh yeah. So by the way, we're doing the black widows and it's like, and, and you would see tons of that throughout the, the season where folks were just kind of like doing these uh, uh, self-destructive moves uh, in in a way that I haven't seen in quite some time. Sometimes under the auspiciousness uh, of uh, playing a you know quote unquote honest game or um, or people just being just straight up dumb and ignorant. It's it is very bizarre. Yeah, it was, and it was also bizarre. There was a severe lack of blindsides early on. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there probably wasn't a blind side until Nick got evicted. So you're talking like 70 somewhat days into the, into mm-hmm. the season. Um, there was not a lot of deal making until, until the end of a lot of alliances. But um, one of the things I always, I feel like has lacked in the last like three or four seasons of big brother mm-hmm. is people making deals. Hey, you want a veto? Uh, here, make this deal with me, get me off the block and I'll protect you next week. Or, you know, there, there's not a lot of that, that back and forth. And, right. uh, I, I think a lot of the, the current, the last like, yeah, four batches of players, five batches of players. Like, I haven't really seen it. Rachel Riley was really good at doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, making, making deals to get herself back in the game and, 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 and sticking to them. And, and yeah. I think those, those are kind of things like you don't really see, uh, on the show that much yeah i i agree and i think that deal making has kind of morphed into straight up extortion you know we're seeing that more and more rather than the traditional you know scratch my back i'll scratch yours it, it's been more the well you have to do this you know you you have an obligation um, you see, you see a lot. In fact, you saw a lot of this season being kind of, kind of played that way. And it was, it was interesting. I know we said we wanted to, uh, talk about, uh, Taco Tuesday, but the, uh, um, the thing that, that struck me about, uh, uh, Christie's game, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just a, a sucker for, 
um, proper word usage. But I, I just I, I remember like when she had the the deal in place with Mickey and Holly and it was like, OK, sure, you can you can put me all up up on the block. You know, I'll be the pawn, blah, blah, blah. But then <laughs> she <laughs> ends up there anyway. And she's like, OK, yeah, I, uh, I held up my end of the bargain. And, you know, and then going into the following week where she ends up on the block again and she's all pissed off about it. But Well, you know, after this point, our, our deal is null and void, null and void. I'm like, no, you held up your end of the bargain. Your 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 deal is finished. You know, your deal is complete. <laughs> it's not null and void because it's it's yeah, it's it's a completed transaction. And yeah, for some reason that just really kind of rankled me for the for the dumbest reasons. No, you know it's funny. There, uh, there are probably two places where you can hear the uh, English language get butchered oh, and man. still somehow make sense, and it's reality TV and sports talk radio. Oh uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and so uh, you know, that's one of the things that always stand out to me. You know, the Christie thing. Yeah, definitely. When she was saying it was null and void, it's like that's not what that means. <laughs> well that that goes back to um something from a couple of seasons ago where uh with jessica and cody yeah uh, they, where 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 she goes where she was talking about a uh, walking past someone and she goes said i'm gonna give them the hymen <laughs> <laughs> oh, i had forgotten about that <laughs> that's right <laughs> That's funny. Oh man! So, uh, uh, so Christy and Nick, let's uh, let's talk about Taco Tuesday yes. because that that was a uh, um, definitely a, a watershed episode in uh, in that particular season, and I would say that kind of kicks off what what would be, I, I guess the the third act of uh, of uh, BB twenty one. Um, yeah, I just I I don't even know where to start with that because there there was just like. So much going on. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, like watching it, it was a masterstroke by Christy. Like that really put her in my head as the front runner for winning the game. Sure. Um, because she took Tom. Um, excuse me. She took Nick's game, not only blew it up, but made him blow it up himself. Yes. By manipulating him into that argument. So basically, he she got him angry enough to start an argument, and then deliberately brought that argument into the middle of the kitchen where everyone could hear it and just let Nick become unhinged. Mm -hmm. And for someone who, who is, uh, I mean, Nick supposedly, uh, is, is a therapist. Uh, he should have, he should have read that a mile away and he did. And he walked right into that trap and, and he blew up his own game and got himself voted out. Um, and so, you know, that, that whole interaction, that whole argument was, was a brilliant play by Christie because she didn't need to make anything up. She let him just go crazy and, right. and put the target on himself. Yeah. You know, and, and we were, we were talking about this on our, on our direct messages, uh, behind the scene, but yeah, it's, it is baffling, absolutely baffling that, that, uh, Nick, gives any kind of mental health uh counseling or care to anybody because i i mean the dude has just no 
uh, situational awareness or no uh, degree of emotional empathy or any kind of fluency with, you know, reading people or understanding where they're where they're coming from. It's it's very, very bizarre. And, you know, I and I, I don't want to necessarily judge a book by its cover. But if I see somebody uh, looking like they I mean, he he's a pair of Jenko jeans away from stepping out of 1994. I yeah. mean, with, with, <laughs> with the bowl cut and the and the uh, uh, the the Everlast chin strap beard and all the, you know, sleeve tattoos and all that. And and again, I, I got I got nothing against tattoos or anything like that. But if I if I see that dude uh, sitting across from me and I I'm at a spot where I have made the decision to uh, uh, seek mental health counseling. I just, I, I don't know if somebody's going to call me bro every, uh, every other sentence. I just, I just don't think that that's a good move for folks. (laughs) No, no, not at all. And I think, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, yeah, I I don't understand. (laughs) And the thing is, he's also, he's a therapist for children. I mean, do you want to put your oh child in front of this dude? Like, I mean, granted, you're not going to see the t- the tattoos in, in a professional environment. Sure. He's probably got long sleeves on. But after the fact, after being on this show, like, you know, seeing how how poorly he handled his own emotions and how he he basically, like you said, he walked into a trap to lose, yeah. and then on top of it, you know, basically got into two showmances. Uh, after one after the other after telling oh, the man. first one that he loved her and she you know Isabella never said that back uh, at least not on how it was edited right it, it seemed very one-sided so it seems to me like Nick is Nick was a very emotional player and Christy read that um from top to bottom and knew that if if she could get him hot you know if she could get him hot and angry that he was going to you know uh, basically blow up his own game it's exactly what he did and and he was still mad about it in jury house and Mm -hmm. and she's like you did it to yourself even as she explained it to him he didn't couldn't figure out how he did it to himself (laughs) yeah i mean uh you know christy was definitely a player that i grew to respect it was somebody that i i wanted nothing to do with i'm just like you know as soon as she's talking about manifesting and all of her you know other uh (laughs) baloney um uh i I just I I don't know I a little too new agey for uh, uh for my taste but um but yeah with Nick's game it as we were just alluding to it kind of continued in uh jury where he got into that that side showmance with Cat and Cat incidentally she was a player that like very early on I uh you know I just uh. I, I just read as unremarkable. Um, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier that it takes me a few weeks to latch on to really kind of anybody unless somebody like really stands out. But I have like kind of like this weird midpoint where they'll have folks in the diary room and I'll be like, who is that again? Or like um, somebody will come up. I'm like, oh, that person's still here. Oh, you're still here. Um, yeah, it's 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 just kind of like I I guess the grind of the show. I kind of uh, lose track sometimes of you know who's still around and and who's uh, you know who. The, we we talked about kind of like the the story crafting with uh, regards to the footage, and I think like it takes a while for the narrative to kind of present itself. So it's like early on the production team is, I think just kind of like looking for, you know, um, uh, you know, remarkable bits 
to craft into episodes. It's not until later, you know, and actually after they start crossing off some folks that, you know, it they know who to kind of focus on. You know, it's like, oh, this person's story intersects with that story. We need to kind of emphasize this. And I think like a lot of those storylines develop. And I think some of that with some of that, um, a lot of folks just kind of get left in the dust. And and it wasn't until uh, Kat started on her whole uh, uh, conspiracy theory uh, tangent that I think she kind of like, for lack of a better term, kind of made a name for herself and uh, kind of became uh, more memorable. Yeah, and I think some people, you know, you, you talk about playing the game or versus playing it, you know, as two-hand touch. I feel like some people are on the show to just make a name for themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, you know, Swaggy C from last season, like, guy was voted out in week two, but we're still talking about him, right? We're still seeing him in Big Brother as a host or, you know, as yeah. someone we hear see later on. Um, he saw that as base, you know, you could you could say what you want about him, but he clearly saw a marketing opportunity there and went for it. Mm-hmm. I feel like Cat might have been one of those of those type people because some of the people get cast. You know, there's the super fans that get cast, but some of these people get cast out of like, uh, you know, modeling agencies or like agencies that just cast for reality television. Um, so I feel like Cat, Cat, you know, her. They said her occupation was digital marketing executive. <laughs> so if if I that's what that. she is, then maybe you know she saw this as a chance to get screen time. Especially if you just make it to jury, that means you're making it to the end. Yeah, uh, as far true. as screen time goes, and so you know it's something that you can then uh, pivot from and and use as as part of your personal brand, right? So. So I think some people on on the show because you got a one in sixteen shot, your odds are not very good at winning the whole thing uh, from day one. So you know you use the time on national TV as much as you can. Uh, so I think cat coming up with that catchphrase and people latching onto that uh, that was probably you know certainly a step in that direction. Yeah, for sure, and that's. Yeah, it's it's an interesting perspective, and and I I'd like to talk for just a hot sec about casting i because i i made i made this uh bizarre remark earlier about you know kind of like uh, uh symptoms of you know kind of systemic issues with with the show and i i feel like that big brother much like other reality uh competition shows cast for type meaning like yep. you know you're you need like uh this one person of color character you need this uh this uh this uh you know you you're you're looking for boxes to check yep. and it and it becomes uh disproportionately lopsided in in a in a weird societal kind of way that I think we'll kind of get into some of the stuff specifically of uh, regarding Mickey. And I mean, cause I mean, you know, big brother is, is, you know, uh, racism allegations is certainly nothing new. We've, uh, we've seen that in, in previous seasons, but um, you know, I, I, you've been a fan longer than I have. Um, I, I don't think, a person of color has ever won. Uh, am, am I incorrect in remembering that? Um, there's certainly no African American people have won. Um, I think last season, I, I'd, uh, her name escapes me. Uh, let me just pull it up on the Wikipedia. Um, Casey Clark, yeah, won last season. I believe she was Asian or Hispanic. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but that, that would, I guess, qualify yeah, her that as would, a person of color, right? That would qualify. So, no, no, that's, 
but but generally speaking, and then uh, Josh the year before that uh, uh, was was I believe Puerto Rican. So I yeah. you know like look I, I I joke with my wife every time we watch that first episode. I, I'm like you know the the the, the African American people get go out first week. I mean I'm like Big Brother as far as reality shows go. I, I joke that it's the most racist one. Yeah. Um, cause survivor on the other hand, that doesn't usually happen. Uh, amazing race that really can't happen, you know, not, not that it can't happen, but it's not decided by the contestants. It's decided by right, the race. Right. Um, so it's, um, uh, but with, with, with big brother, for whatever reason, it just seems to happen more often than not that yeah, there has never been, um, there's never been uh, an African American winner. There has never been there. There have been. Uh, Casey last year was the first uh, gay female to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had one gay male win it uh, in um, Andy. Uh, Andy, yep. Uh, and that was the se- another season that was kind of fraught with racism. Absolutely, uh, and, yeah. And, um, and so, yeah. But uh, generally speaking, it, yeah, it's it's white people that win Big Brother. Yeah, and and it's it's and and I don't know if it's uh, the casting model. Or what happens when you put this combination of characters in, or archetypes or however you want to want to look at them? Because, I mean, like I, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine at work and we were talking about Cliff and how far he was getting in the game. And my buddy's take was like, you know. I because uh, he he's about the same age as I am uh, or as as we are you know a couple years older mm-hmm. and he's like I know guys at my gym that are older than Cliff and are just you know yoked up that you know are just you know uh, why why don't we see that kind of representation why is it that the token old guy is always Schlub City and right. I'm like well because it doesn't fit that that mold it, it doesn't it doesn't fit into that box and you know you you look at you know I, I just happen to have the the wiki in front of me but just like just about everybody on this casting list from Jackson all the way down to David everybody kind of represents some kind of common archetype in in the casting and I, I even brought up a a mildly uncomfortable point it's like well if you bring in like you know a 50 year old guy that's like you know like this this chiseled from granite specimen and you're putting him in with like you know 20 year old girls it's like that that's you know and like you get like potential showman's possibilities and i think that's just that's something i don't want to see and i think it, it could potentially make things more uncomfortable from like you know just uh just what folks want to see on their tvs and and again that that's me with my tinfoil hat on again but i think that there there's a there's a weird level of safety that I think goes into a reality competition show casting because it's not just Big Brother it's I mean it's definitely you know the other Survivor Amazing Grace and and whatever but yeah it's just it it really um, maybe because it was the fireworks during the finale but it really struck me as you know wow this this show might have some problems or some issues that 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 might be a little more uh systemic than than maybe we'd like to admit as fans yeah and i think uh, you know to some extent they they need to get outside of their own boxes uh for lack of a better word but like they, they need to find cast members 
um they and they've done it to some extent um they had a trans uh house guest a couple yeah. years ago um but yeah there's you know I'm, I'm looking down the list too you got you got jackson mickey who's the you know the the all-american you know country guy right and right. uh you got nicole who's the nerdy super fan and cliff is the old dude and tommy's the gay guy and christy's the lesbian and you know, and, and, and yeah, and you can just go down this list. You know, it's not everyone fits into one of those boxes, but there are like, if there are 16 house guests, there's probably like 25 boxes and yes. they try to mix and match those into a, into a season. Um, you have Ovi, who was the college kid, the young kid, you know, you always have someone who's really young. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, I, yeah, I think they need to. They need to expand their their casting thinking. Some of it is that. Some of it is just you know, yeah, you know, what if there was a cast that was predominantly African American? How would that play out? I think they need to to modify the um, the paradigm a bit to see yeah. how the interaction would be. If it's you know, I I think Paul uh, uh, Abrahamian Abrahamian is mm-hmm. that how you say it uh, on his Twitter was talking about how it's a social experiment and how. Um, you put, you know, you put these people in the house and this is how some of the things just shake out. And it's like, well, what if you, what if you start the parameters of the experiment differently? Yes. Um, what if, you know, what if, you know, what if, sort of just for argument's sake, what if white people are the minority in the house? Mm-hmm. How does that change the dynamic of the game? Um, these are things, you know, that, you know, they, and look, you can't really market the show like that you can't really sell can't really say hey this is the season without white people like that's just it's not going to market well to anyone it's going to come off poorly on all ends but if you market that show you know if you not necessarily market the show that way but if you build the cast where it's a little bit more uh diverse and representative of um just representative of America in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you would have that breakdown a little different. I, you know, I don't know if it's just where they're getting their, their people from. I don't know if it's just a personality thing. Um, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of factors at play when you put 16 people who don't know each other into a house and say, Hey, guess what? Live together. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's not even really a house. It's, it's a TV studio yes. when you get down to it. You know, I keep having to remind my wife, she's like, Oh, the backyard. I'm like, that's a studio. I'm like, there's a lighting grid up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that is just outside, but there is still a lot of TV stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when you think about it, right, the front door of the house is, is the stage where they do the live show. So that, that is most certainly in a, in a sound stage uh, that those folks are living in for an entire summer. Um, it's just a large uh, area within a soundstage. But, um, uh, yeah, when you do that, you do kind of get into this weird, you know, realm of, you know, putting people in a bubble. And then also that social experiment of putting people in a bubble, uh, what that does to people over the course of time. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's a right answer. I don't I don't know, really. Um, it, there should be a right answer, but there, there really isn't. Um, I think... Yeah, I don't know what exactly CBS could do, but whatever they're doing now isn't necessarily what's working. Yeah, it, it's it's time, I think, to uh, take both ends of the bottle and just shake it up, you know, yep. in, in some way, especially like, you know, perhaps some of the uh, the ways that you were suggesting. I mean, like I I. I, I I remember one of the more cringier episodes of uh, uh, seasons of Survivor 
where they were kind of trying to do some some racial dividing and I, I I don't know if that's necessarily the way to go, but um, but yeah, it's you know it, I mean far be it for a couple forty year old white guys to try to try to figure out how to make uh, Survivor more diverse, but it's yeah I mean there there's definitely something there because I mean it seems like I don't know maybe every third season anymore there's some kind of uh, a racism allegation and. Um, and, and I know we, we've got some other stuff in the finale we wanted to cover, but I, uh, that, that finale, I think, I, I don't, I don't know if it, uh, got out of control. I don't know if that's the right word, but it, it definitely took a turn when, uh, you know, uh, David was talking about stuff and Ovi was talking about stuff and, and Kemi was talking about, um, you know, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of what they perceived their, their treatment to be. And it definitely influenced what I, what I think is kind of like the last act of that show, because like, you know, when spoilers, um, uh, when, uh, um, when Jackson comes out, when, when Mickey wins, you can see that everything that was said is still weighing on him. And, you know, it just, it basically wrecked his day. And I think, I don't know if he was prepared to face that, you know, for all the things that he saw coming uh, within the game. I don't, I don't know if, I think this was just like a weird, uh, weird blind spot for him. What, uh, what do you think? Yeah. I, I don't know how, uh, you know, I go back and forth on that. Like people like, Oh, he got sandbag. He was blindsided. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know about that because yeah. you know, he, I, I, I felt there was an air of racism to this show from the start sure. from the season. And it, it bothered me from the, from, from the first banishment uh, thing, which they addressed in the finale, you know, Jackson put up, he put up Jessica who, who is a Latina, put up, uh, Kemi and he put up David and it's like he put up the, the two African-American people in the house mm-hmm. and, and another person of color and then he put up Cliff the old guy and it's like why why would you take a shot at the old guy on day one um, because he's not going to win anything and it's one le- you know it's one person that you know you can beat in a comp right um, you know it, it's, it's if you're a young 20 something you know physically fit person right yeah um, so you know, it, from a strategy standpoint, putting Cliff up made no sense, and that, that was the one that sealed it for me. I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know if he's racist, but he certainly has some very unconscious bias that he does not, he's not fully aware of. Yeah, and so uh, that led me down down the path of of kind of looking into the live feeds every so often, not watching them, but kind of googling and seeing what I could find because there were just things that kind of raised red flags in my head. Um, especially with how David got treated when he was back in the house as part of camp comeback. And, and there was a, there was a part portion of, of there was something that was called on live feed of, of, you know, of Jackson saying to Jack, um, I forgot what he said, but he, he, he used the N word in, in reference to David. Whoa. And it's like, yeah. Really? And it's like, I didn't know that. Sorry. I yeah. didn't mean to interrupt, but that, that, whoa. <laughs> And, and, and like researching that, like, I guess production had a conversation with him to not use those words, uh, in the, you know, they brought it up in the diary room, which is where they talk to, uh, the, you know, they, they have a back and forth with, um, 
the the house guests because they have to get they get them to say I think feel like they they prompt lines out of them at times and you can kind of see it in their delivery like you can tell when they're speaking from the heart in the diary room or when they're you know being told to say something yes um you know because uh every veto episode is I need to win the veto because I need to keep myself safe and then, like you know, and like everyone has that like kind of generic line they say. Um, so they're 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 certainly prompting from production in in the uh, diary room, which mm. is where that interaction happens. And so apparently Jackson was talked to uh, at least once, if not multiple times. I've seen varying reports on that on on the web. Um, but even if it's just for that one instance, first off, you know, in this day and age, when you know you have a microphone on you. Uh, it, even if you don't know you have a microphone or even if you don't have a microphone on you, there is no reason to use that word right. um, ever, basically, you know, <laughs> and yeah. it, 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 uh, especially if you're a white male, you know, you know, even like, you know, <laughs> skip over it in the rap lyrics, like just stop talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so I don't know what the reference was to. I don't know if he was quoting something uh, that would be kind of apologist to say that. Uh, but you just don't do that. You don't do that ever. And so it's it it that was the one instance to me. I'm like, even if it's unconscious bias, he still has some sort of bias, and they need to talk to him. And he should not win this game because it's just bad for the game. Um, yes. And so those are, that's one of those things where, um, you know, it stood out to me that the, there's certainly a problem with him. And I'm kind of rambling off, so I don't remember where the question was exactly. You know, well, it it was it was kind of spinning off of, you know, kind of, kind of those uh, allegations of racism. And what I think is interesting, and, and we've seen this in a couple other seasons before, is where stuff happens in the live feeds like you were just kind of referring to. But because of like the editing and storytelling, it never makes it into the canon of the of the main show. So like when there was a few times when my wife and I were watching it. It's like, wait, what are they talking about? I, I don't understand. You you mean like that thing? Well, I mean, I guess if you squint hard enough, you know, because I mean, and, and the flip side of things, too, is that that we're also kind of like in a outrage culture uh, type of space, you know, and cancel culture and things like that. And uh, being uh, slightly contrarian for, for a sec, I thought that that particular segment um when when we're talking about Nicole being bullied and you know kind of kind of Ovi uh, proselytizing about this and then going directly into uh uh David and Kemi talking about racism and stuff I I felt like it was all a bit much and I felt right. like it kind of sucked a lot of the the wind and momentum out of you know the, the the finale of this goofy competition game that i mean i and and i'm not i guess i'm not trying to say that you know uh serious issues like that should be swept under the rug or ignored but there's um you know th- there's a certain pomp and circumstance and a lot of just kind of like going through the motions with regards to kind of like how a finale goes and 
if if you're going to do something like that, do like Survivor does and do like an hour reunion show later where you can air some of that. I have issues with that format as well because I also feel like for the sake of time, things just kind of get kind of kind of glossed over very quickly. And I felt like they kind of tried to have their cake and eat it too in that, you know, the, the, they wanted to address those incidents, but not really. Um, you know, in terms of having like, you know, the like the larger uh, conversation there. And I thought that, yeah, it just I don't know. I, I was looking at my wife. I'm like, really, this is what we're doing. And and yeah, I just I don't know. I, and maybe maybe my read is very different than others. But I, I don't know if I understand the whole uh, Nicole bullying thing. I know I know she was excluded from their, you know, group therapy sessions and, and you know, had the had the HOH door closed in her face and, you know, was, you know, largely marginalized and ignored. But I maybe I just have a different idea of what bullying is, but I just I just didn't read it that way. Oh, see, I did because it felt like intimidation, like it felt like like get out you're not one of us yeah not, you don't okay. belong here and i think that that's where it was and, and you know that's where the the whole bullying thing really mm-hmm. um i don't know struck a nerve for me and i don't know why because uh, but like it just felt like you know it's almost like the um like don't come in the grown-ups are talking and it's you know it's 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 kind of belittling someone and, and i think that really um you know, especially when they were talking about her and not giving her a chance to, to you know, weigh in and yeah. and you know speak whatever it is that you know speak to whatever it is they're saying about her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's where uh, I felt you know and and it, it was just there was a rudeness to it too. It wasn't like hey, listen, we're we're having a conversation. We'll we'll you know come back in five minutes or you know whatever it is you know. And it, I think it's because there were so many and it was such like a yeah a mob mentality that that that's how that came off and um and it certainly wasn't right um yeah i i agree I with think, that i i, do. I think your your point about the finale it, it, yeah i think there there was a problem with having your cake and eating it too and that they needed to address some of these things long before they did long before finale night they should have addressed these things you know within the week that they happened and um they didn't and and so some of it is a, a day late and a dollar short. And then some of it for me was, I'm glad they finally said something. I'm yeah. glad they finally called it out. But yeah, they either needed more time to do it or they should there. I mean, the fact that they didn't do it before the voting um, is kind of bothersome. But I guess you can't let, uh, you know, people who are no longer in the game impact the game, uh, which that would have done. Uh, you know, they're not in the jury. You know, a lot of those folks were, were eliminated long before that mm-hmm. um but it, yeah there, there's definitely there was definitely an air of of having their cake and eating it too that they wanted to you know i i don't want to say do the right thing but uh give everyone a voice yeah uh, in in what what went down and they didn't do it when they should have done it which was right around the times it happened and you know kind of you know lay those stakes out there for people um, and so they tried to do it in the finale night and, and it kind of, it, it I wouldn't say it ruined finale night cause I was rooting against Mickey. So sure. it was kind of, it was, it was kind of like a, here's your just desserts kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it, 
it wasn't done well enough either. It wasn't done well enough to kind of get the point across. And I think that that's where it failed. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, uh, great points. And, and yeah, I, I totally agree because like, yeah, it's, it's not doing the right thing. It's, it's just being less wrong. Um, so yeah, no, I, um, that, uh, great points. So let's, let's talk about, uh, uh, Mickey just, uh, just a little more here. And incidentally, because like I mentioned, because like we, we just kind of consume the show as it happens. I was today years old when I realized that Mickey is his last name, that his name is Jackson Mickey. I thought I thought it was like, I don't know, like a middle name or some arbitrary thing. And to the point where I was becoming incredulous about it. And and I get I get dumb about dumb things sometimes to the point where I just I started referring to him as Mishy because I'm like, that's not how you spell Mickey. I I know tons of Mickey's. That is not how you spell it. But if it's a last name that that actually makes sense. And and I've. I, I'm certainly dumber for it, but yeah, no, in, in, in doing a little bit of research, I stumbled on that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's something they established early in the season because of the Jack and Jackson uh, names being in the house. Uh, I think they did that last year. There was that character, there was that person that was on uh, Rockstar. It was yes. because she was also, she had the same first name as somebody else in the house, and then so they just went with that. Uh, that's, that's really all it is, is. So they started calling him by his last name to con- to avoid the confusion of Jack and Jackson. Gotcha. Well, and and I do remember that being especially confusing during that that uh, infamous implosion episode that we were talking about to the point where I had to pause it. I don't do this often, but I had to pause it. And I kind of like had like a little bit of a fit. And I'm like, wait a goddamn minute who is who who are they talking about what is happening and and my wife was like well the 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 momoa aquaman looking dude that's jackson the other guy and i'm like no no it's the other way around and so we had like our own legislation trying to trying to figure it out. And then because, yeah, it's like, you know, when when things were so heated, you know, the the kind of like alternate identity fell away. And it's just like, well, Jack said this and Jackson is doing this. And and it, yeah, it was it was one of those things where I'm like, hold on, full stop. <laughs> let's let's get things up squared away here. But it was interesting because I I um I hated this guy from Jump. You know, like we we already talked about, you know, him being a camp director and making those particular decisions. And yeah, just just being a a yoked up dude bro white guy, I'm kind of predisposed to dislike those kind of folks you know it's like i i i like i like the more underdoggy folks you know the the perhaps more disaffected folks you know kind of like like the the nicoles of the cast you know it's like i i like those you know the cliffs of the casts uh um those kind of folks so i i never rooted for for uh uh for jackson but Something very interesting happened in how I kind of uh, looked at him and his gameplay once the the larger alliance broke up and he went from being at the top to being on the bottom and suddenly being an underdog. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If I'm rooting for underdogs, does that mean I have to kind of pull for this guy now? Uh, what is happening? You know, up is down, uh, uh, down is up. Uh, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. And it it was interesting to kind of watch his gameplay from that 
as opposed to a king of the hill standpoint from really just kind of like kind of trying to fight and scrape uh for uh, uh for where he was it 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 ended up being a surprisingly compelling game for me. Do do I think it was it, he played a a good game? No, certainly not. But he kind of played the game that everybody else kind of allowed him to play. Like you know there there was there was a couple times to send him out, and they kept you know like like a uh like uh oh what is it um like a like a blind marksman keep missing the target you know that that kind of thing and he was basically kind of allowed to make it to finale night and you know when when he's sitting there next to holly you know who else are you gonna choose i mean come on so it's it's like you made a really good point earlier in saying that that jackson mickey winning is not good for the game and i 100 percent agree with that but that's kind of what made you know, all of these decisions, very puzzling and bizarre is that more or less this dude was allowed to win. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, again, I think that goes to being in a bubble to some extent because the people picking the winner are the people that were living in this bubble with him. Right. Um, he, look, he, he was, I, I wouldn't say he was, a you know, he's not necessarily, I don't want to say he deserved to win, but he played the best game overall by the end of the show. Yes. Um, I think Nicole missed her opportunity uh, when she had the chance to take out Holly uh, the week Jackson was HOH to make him uh, unable to play for HOH the next mm-hmm. week. And then her and Tommy and Cliff could have taken him out uh, with basically no problem. Um, that would have been, you know, the ideal situation for those of us who wanted to watch, uh, you know, clean gameplay and i think that's the thing jackson even said so in in one of the diary room interviews like the thing he did in that week where he made up uh, a story about tommy and 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 you know got tommy to um kind of have that blow up with him and then get himself voted out it's not really the same as taco tuesday because he i mean jackson basically out and out lied and lied to tommy's face and that's kind of a really dirty thing to do mm-hmm. uh, whereas Christy you know was basically telling Nick that he he's playing both sides of the house which he was um, so like you know doing that like it it, it was a dirty move and yeah. you know what it kept him in the game and I know that's that's part of the game but there's there it just didn't seem it didn't seem right to me and it seemed like it 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 kind of it backfired it was like the big move like if nicole had made that move she would have gotten out christy and jackson uh on her resume yeah and like that is like i mean that is basically gold for uh making your case to the jury like i got the two biggest players out like that that's that's how you you know you get you make it to jury you know i haven't seen i didn't see anyone in this cast that was worried about getting blood on their hands quote unquote um and, and so no one yeah, no one was really worried about taking people out. They were just more like, that's how the game is played. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, take out the big targets, you know? Um, I think, you know, Jackson winning, yeah, it's bad for the game. It's like, you know, it's like why steroid users aren't in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes. It's bad for the reputation. Um, yeah, you know what? Barry Bonds hit the most home runs of any you know baseball player in the history of Major League Baseball. but And he's never been convicted of using steroids. 
but the, the taint is there. The the suspicion is there. And if that's enough, you know, to keep him out of Cooperstown, you know, then yes, then this should be enough. To, you know, Jackson's you know recorded actions in the house, you know, should have been enough to have somebody take him out during the show. Yeah, a- absolutely. And and I think that there there was a there was a weird spot towards the end where you know I I I found myself surprisingly torn on whether Cliff and Nicole would hold up their end of the deal um or not. And it's it was one of those rare instances where I really saw things both directions, you know, to kind of hold up their their final four deal that 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 they had made. On one hand, it's like, well, you make the deal that that you agreed to, uh, you know, based upon you know other agreements and conditions, or it's like like you were saying with regards to uh, Nicole's resume. Um, I mean that that was her biggest mistake in the game. I mean, yeah. ob- obviously, uh, Cliff's biggest mistake was <laughs> was for some reason thinking that that Jackson was going to keep his word and and keep uh, Tubby Cliff over his uh, over his girlfriend. But I, I I still don't understand where his head is at. And, and again, when, once I realized that that's the direction it was going, I couldn't be Team Cliff anymore. It's like I don't I don't know what happened to where his mental state just started to unravel. But it's just like he just he just became like disconnected from reality. It's very weird. Yeah, it was very weird. I, I I don't know. Like even from a gameplay standpoint, like having that play go the other way. Like if Cliff said, "I'll take Jackson to the final three, Like that's you know, it's, Jackson made that deal with him because this way he wouldn't have to take out Holly. Like uh, on the other on the other side of that, like there there's no way Jackson was going to take Cliff over over holly there's just no way um and and why he would believe that is is beyond me like i know they shook on it or whatever but you know it's it's a game where where lies are told you know and look you have to navigate through that i I don't i just don't see how you know even even if you know that's his girlfriend like uh, look it's like i'm gonna give you 50 grand or i'm gonna give my girlfriend for 50, 50 grand right yeah, yeah i'm giving my girlfriend 50 grand yeah <laughs> like, yeah what are you thinking <laughs> yeah exactly and that and that just but but there was a weird time where i was like you know what maybe they just honor the deal and just it comes down to comps you know and just that that's that's how it is that's not quite what happened, but there, but there was, there was like this fantasy that I kind of entertained where it's like, you know, everybody gets to still be honorable at the end. And yeah, it just, it just comes down to who wins those last batch of competitions. But yeah, yeah. Some very, very bizarre gameplay, um, in those, in those closing episodes. Yeah. And I, you know, I, it feels like, you know, from my end, like Holly played a good game in that, I mean, you could say she hid behind Jackson for for the for a big chunk of it, but she still won comps. Yeah, she still won HOHs. Like she still did things. She just had a bigger shield. It, I mean, it was a smart game move to kind of mm-hmm. um, let Jackson be the face of of that whole you know kind of uh, brain trust. You know, um, I I think you know the the mistake. Nicole make, made was not taking out Holly because, you know, if you go into the mathematics of that, forget that it's uh, a showman's that you're taking to Final Four versus, you you know, if you're aligned with Cliff. Like, forget that for, for now. 
you you have a pair and a pair, so that gives you a 50-50 shot, right? Mm-hmm. But if you would take if you'd taken out Holly and taken Tommy, you have yeah. Look, one of you is winning HOH. You're putting Jackson up, and yes, it all comes down to the veto in that week. Uh, whoever wins the veto is basically deciding who who's going home. But you still have you're three on one. So now you have you know you're you got a seventy five percent chance. You've doubled your odds. You've gone right. from you know you know to and and to not do that was was such a mistake for Nicole and such a mistake for the show really because that would have gotten uh, Holly out and probably Jackson would only have twenty five percent chance of making that next round mm-hmm. and 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 then you would have had at least a final three of Tommy Cliff and Nicole three people that you could really root for uh, in, and and have it come down to a more idealistic. Hey, let's let's see who wins these comps and 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 who's going to play their loyalties to who. Yeah, definitely, and that reminds me of a, a thread I forgot to mention earlier when we were uh, we were talking about uh, Jackson and Tommy and that and that confrontation. That was hard to watch. It was. That was really hard because, like, I, I I don't know if you've ever found yourself in this type of situation, but like, just to see um, Tommy just desperately pleading just you know it's like i never said any of that and it's just like you know to be so um so overwrought with emotion and just knowing that you're right and you know in the face of like you know uh um actual lies uh being told and just uh, yeah it was it, it was it was uncomfortable yeah it was definitely harsh but um uh, but yeah, I um I, I forgot where I left off at. Um, oh, I I did have one note about Holly. Um, and and you summed it up uh very well. Also, uh, but I thought that her plea to the jury was very accurate for her gameplay because, as you said, not only did she win comps, but yeah, she she was really kind of like driving the bus at a lot of times and kind of being that that salve for you know kind of kind of uh mickey's spiraling um emotional outburst you know it's like where she kind of she kind of knew to kind of like calm him down at certain times but she also knew at other times to where to just kind of like pop the collar and just let him loose and and i think she did a lot of that subtle uh, emotional manipulation as well um, in terms of like, you know, I, I think at times and maybe this is over exaggerating her gameplay, but I think she kind of weaponized him at times. Yeah. And I think he doesn't win the game without her. Oh, uh, you yeah. know, if, if if he kept his showmance with Kat early on, you know, Kat's an emotional wreck. Like she would have she would have blown both of their games. Yeah. Um, Holly. Holly was, you know, as far as the showmance goes, the smartest play for him uh, to win because, you know, she kept him in check. Like you said, it's um, he doesn't get that far without her at mm-hmm, all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, uh, um, they, they at times kind of reminded me of Cody and Jessica because um, he, he got kind of, you know, like emotionally distant um, a few different times, but yeah, but you know, obviously Cody didn't necessarily have kind of like the same type of uh, outburst 
that uh that Mickey did but uh but yeah I, I saw I saw a couple weird uh similarities there but uh one last note I wanted to put on with uh, regards to their showmance there there was a uh one time where you know Mickey just kind of like has like the you know the weight of the world is on his shoulders and he's just like where's mama I need mama now <laughs> if if I am Holly I am running as hard and as fast from that situation as possible because, I mean, obviously he wears on his sleeve that he's a mama's boy, but when he's saying stuff like that in even on television, something resembling a intimate relationship, oh, buddy, you got to get away from that girl. <laughs> Oof. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh Oh man, you know it's it's funny. It's not to get too dark here, but um, I mean, I lost my mom probably about uh, two years ago, a little more than two years ago. And um, when he said that, I'm, in my head, my my trigger was, yeah. um, oh, it, it, it's gonna get worse, bud. Oh, <laughs> when you no. get older, it gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and sorry for your loss, by the way. I know it's no, been a couple no, it's years, fine. It's just, but, it's just funny, like yeah, when you you don't you don't have those thoughts until you get to that point, and it was just like, oh, oh, yeah, well, you you can't get a hug now. Wait till you can't ever get a hug. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, and yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, I I hadn't even thought of that. I I was I I was really kind of doing a lot more um, identifying on on uh, Holly's side because like yeah, being being around a. a an emotionally volatile mama's boy and and actually and i uh, again found this in the research and they mentioned it within the episode but the age difference also it's yeah. like you know yeah she she got to get away from that i mean he 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 might be useful for the the things that she needs but yeah i don't i don't know if there's a lot of uh sustainable meat on that relationship bone i think there's a lot of red flags there yeah, I think I think she's gonna realize that real quick once once they're out of the house. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I I know we've been uh, uh, chatting for quite some time, and uh, it it feels like we've we've ticked just about all of the boxes in terms of like you know the things that kind of um, made the made this season of Big Brother uh, uh, remarkable and unremarkable in a uh, in a lot of ways, and you know kind of unpack some of that finale. But before uh, uh, before we close out and talk about what you've got coming up uh, this coming weekend uh, with, uh, obviously, uh, New York Comic Con, um, anything else uh, of of note that in our, you know, kind of getting uh, uh, distracted in tangents, any, anything in particular um, that stuck out to you that we hadn't talked about that uh, that we wanted to touch on? Uh, no, nothing major within the season. You know, the one thing I it's just looking over the, I, I have the list of names up on my screen just to kind of remind me of people that, yeah. you know, Christy was playing such a good game socially that she ate her her activity advantage that she had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 you know, I, I don't know if that's, you know, it's not really necessarily a, a big point in the season, but um it's just something to say, like, again, look, what a big player she was. Um, and for Nicole to have taken her out um, was a big move. Um, no. And the, the only thing I noticed is, you know, I did a little research uh, before coming on is that um, there's rumors and it's probably a good way to move the show forward. Uh, there's rumors that uh, Big Brother 22 might be an all star season. 
Um, and I think uh, there, there's rumors that Survivor's doing that as well. And I guess, you know, yeah. with with the year being 2020, you know, that, that kind of, you know, that, that lends to good marketing of hindsight being 2020. Right. So maybe maybe oh, that yeah. that's where they're going um with this um but an all-star season for for 2020 might be the the right kind of palate cleanser you mm-hmm. need after after uh such a controversial season like this one yeah i i agree and that and that's kind of a good way to kind of clear the board and you know i i feel I don't know. I, I, I feel very torn on all-star seasons for uh, shows like this because, like, um, you know, currently on Survivor, you've got the Island of the Idols and you've got, you know, they, they dusted off uh, uh, poor Boston Rob and, and Sandra. And it's just, I don't know, there, there are certain people that have played reality competitions enough times to where I never need to see them again. You know, it's like like uh, Rupert from Survivor. If I never see that guy ever again, I, I'll be happier. And, you know, and and I I do think that Big Brother is due for an all star season because they, they haven't they've only done one once. And I want to say that was maybe like what, maybe season seven or something like that, like something something very far back, uh, certainly not within the time that I've been watching. Yeah, uh, um, the only closest they did was the coaches one year. Uh, at least since I've been watching, was the yeah. coach you know, where they brought in four old former players that were coaches and eventually became uh, house guests on their own. Yeah, which which is kind of which was kind of a cool gimmick. Um, but yeah, I, I it would be fine to see um, uh, you know some all stars, but I would like to see. Uh, okay, I just got owned this on on Front Street. I don't need to see Rachel Riley on my television ever again. She's, I'm with you. <laughs> she she's run the Amazing Race three different times, um, you know. She's uh, yeah. It's just I I'm I'm over it. I understand that she's Big Brother royalty, and I understand her place in the pantheon. But I just I I can't. I just I I can't. <laughs> um. So yeah. So um. Yeah, I, I think that'll do it for uh, Big Brother 21 uh, wrap-up. Uh, Anthony Bercali, this is always a pleasure to chat with you. Um, before we part ways for now on this, uh, on the, uh, I guess, the closing hours of International Podcast Day, which incidentally, I had no idea um, that that was a thing when, uh, when we were setting this up. This was just kind of like when our schedules lined up and we were both uh, uh, really... Uh, excited to talk about Big Brother, but um, but before we part ways for now, um, do you want to talk about what you've got coming up uh, this week uh, for New York Comic Con and perhaps some of your coverage? Sure, sure. So uh, every year I cover New York Comic Con, and uh, coming up this week, uh, I will be uh, usually you know I run TFU.info, the world's longest running transforming toy archive, and uh, uh, by virtue of doing this for so long uh i've uh become kind of part of the uh what they like to call fan ambassadors for hasbro so i, I get to go to uh, a number of events that they put on and one being their new york comic-con uh events uh so i will be there covering it on my twitter uh at tfu underscore info i'll also be covering uh i 
actually have an extra set of hands coming with me for the first time. So uh, I will be covering it live also on YouTube. So youtube.com slash TFU info. And uh, we'll be at um, Hasbro's, uh, I don't want to call it a panel at New York Comic Con because it's more like they're guests on a talk show. Uh, so the designer, usually it's the lead designer and the lead marketing person for Transformers will be uh, part of this panel at the sci-fi stage. Uh, they'll probably announce, announce some stuff there. And then after that, there is going to be a Q&A session uh, with those folks. And usually there is some product reveal uh, within that session as well. And that'll be, uh, this is all on, uh, let's see, uh thursday afternoon uh and so there, there's a lot of uh fun stuff coming there plus i'll be covering uh at least on friday i'm definitely going and then uh i have to see how the panel schedule breaks down for saturday sunday uh i like to go uh every so often but this is the first first year i'm going where i have a uh an infanted home so uh, i may uh, <laughs> dial back how much i go on the weekend I got you. So uh, geographically, how close are you to the convention center? Is it is is it close or is it a, is it a drive? Uh, so it is uh, a train ride for me. Uh, so living in Long Island, uh, the Long Island Railroad runs straight into uh, Manhattan. Uh, so it's about a half hour on the train into Penn Station. Uh, that gets me two avenues, uh, no, three avenues over from the Jacob Javits Center, which is all the way on the west side of Manhattan on the water. Uh, but it's on that block. It's on 34th street. So, uh, um, so that, then it's a quick walk over. So it's about another five, 10 minute walk. Um, that's not where the Hasbro thing is though. So it's going to be a fun <laughs> time. Uh, the Hasbro thing is actually on the East side of Manhattan, uh, this year. So, uh, there's going to be a lot of back and forth. Uh, I'm not that far. Uh, you know, it takes me about an hour overall to get in, uh, plus about a 10 minute drive to the train station. So it's not, it's not terrible. I gotcha. Very cool. Now, um, We've we've spent so much time talking about Big Brother, and um, you're a Transformers podcast, and I'm a Transformers adjacent podcast. Um, uh, this is probably like the last time that we'll chat before uh, New York Comic Con. We know that the deadline for the Haslab Unicron project is during New York Comic Con. That's what going to be on uh, Sunday the sixth, if I if I remember correctly. Um, I, you know, and I guess a couple different quick places I want to go very quickly as we close out. Sure. Um, but um, do you think it's going to make it? Uh, I, I keep going. Knowing there's only, you know, as of this morning was only seven days left. Um, I'm getting a little worried uh, <laughs> that it's not. Um, on the other hand, I feel like there are places that haven't reported in yet. Uh, you know, big, bigger retailers and, and large orders that we're going to see dump in. Uh, closer to the last minute. Um, I don't know how much um, that's going to affect the total. Um, it's looking like it's not going to be funded, but it, you don't know. Like it, that number could take a really hard jump on you know Friday, and and you know or Thursday when when we we meet with Hasbro uh, to kind of bump those numbers above the eight thousand. And and so. I, yeah, I'm I'm very much 50-50 on whether or not it'll get funded. Uh, the optimist in me really wants it to happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm kind of like really hoping that there are other numbers we haven't seen yet that are going to push that above uh, the total. The one thing, uh, the one bit of news that kind of came out today is that um, Hasbro applied for the trademark for Unicron to be used for uh, toys and converting robots. Uh, so that is, um, 
that is an indicator that it looks like it might happen. Uh, I don't, you know, we'll we'll see uh, overall of what what could and couldn't be, but uh, um, I, I'm going to take that as a yes. Uh, I'm going to put that at like 51 percent that it's going to happen. Fair enough. Um, and yeah, we'll uh, uh, we may have to reconvene uh, later and and kind of see how how things went. Um, one of my very ep- favorite episodes recently of Transformers University was the rampant speculation episode. And okay. I I was wondering, putting you on the spot just a little bit right before I let you go, um, any wild predictions about what you think might be revealed uh, during the uh, the Hasbro festivities? Uh, wild predictions. Uh, I, I still hold to my... I was thinking about this uh, earlier today, that if my rampant speculation would hold, uh, and that being uh, that the next phase of the War for Cybertron trilogy would be uh, beast-themed, or at least have a beast component. And um, there's been some leaks of lists that could be totally made up as far as... Uh, there was a toy store that posted like a, a pre-order list uh, recently, and some of that could have just been really uh, well figured out from from other things that we may or may not uh, be seeing, you know. Um, and if that's the case, then uh, it looks like my my rampant speculation is not going to pan out. Um, <laughs> but it also looks like it might pan out because that it doesn't seem like a, a complete line uh, from what they posted. Uh, it seems more like just a wave or two to kind of uh, stem the tide uh, because Siege has been very popular. Um I would I would say um, no I don't have anything beyond what what I mentioned in my show as far as uh, beasts and maybe like a, a Beast Wars theme being something uh, in the in the next line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would like to say I have more, but I think you know knowing this this design team and knowing uh, the people behind it, I you know there's a very good chance they could double down on uh, on you know, following kind of, uh, the established, uh, plan of things that were laid out mm-hmm. and, you know, as they were in G1 and, uh, and maybe doubling down on, on some of the legacy characters because that they, they just have to, because they have to do that, to protect their intellectual uh, property. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, the, that's that's all I can say is that we'll see. Understood. Well, uh, Anthony Bercali, uh owner operator, madman behind tfu.info, the the uh, website, the toy archive, and the host of one of my very favorite uh, Transformers podcast, Transformers University. Actually, I misspoke. One of my favorite podcasts in general, Transformers or No. Um, big fan. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat, Big Brother Twenty One, and. Uh, and some rapid speculation. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been it's always fun. Uh, you know, I love being on my uh, favorite uh, Transformers adjacent podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No mail today. Nobody likes you. Let's show Mike some love. Right into the mailbag at MikeCyberRadio at gmail.com. And, of course, the spelling on that is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. You've got mail. Everybody loves you. 
And before I clock out and get out of here, I want to let you know about a few things I've got coming up in October. Uh, First, our regularly scheduled episode drops on Wednesday, October 2nd. That's going to be episode 235, featuring my interview with author Brian Birnbaum and editor-in-chief Katie Rainey. And we're talking about the debut novel from Dead Rabbits Books called Emerald City. Uh, We'll also discuss literary fiction and staying true to your creative vision. A very compelling, awesome interview. And then next week, Anthony Bercali returns to recap New York Comic Con. And there's a whole lot more stuff happening besides Transformers, so I thought it would be fun to unpack some of that. Um, And there might be another special guest joining us as well. Uh, Keep an eye on the social medias for that announcement. And then later in the month, we're celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the Jet City Comic Show, and I'll talk to the show organizers and get kind of an oral history of the show and its history here in the Pacific Northwest. And I will be doing on-site interviews with creators in the new Podcasters Workshop area during this year's Jet City Comic Show that's going to be happening October 26th and 27th at the Tacoma Convention Center. I'm also hoping to connect with nerd rapper Ambush Venn, who's dropping a brand new EP, Slasher Music, just in time for Halloween, and I'm going to talk about what's happening over at Destiny City Comics in Tacoma. It looked like they were going to have to close um, on October 31st, but now it looks like a local pro wrestler is stepping up, looking to buy the store and keep it open, but he needs your help to make that happen. All of that and so much more next month on Mike Cyber Radio. But that will do it for this special International Podcast Day bonus episode. Thanks for listening if you want to listen to our past shows subscribe on soundcloud apple podcast stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast like share rate and review the show i'm told that helps raise the profile of the podcast mike cyber radio is produced by dave sanders for my guest anthony Bercali. my name is mike this has been mike cyber radio and until next time make good choices You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out bydoormusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.